Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock. Along with me, as always, is Kyle Davis as we get show number two going here this season with the podcast. And uh, we're going to tee up this week's big matchup, the season opener between the Toronto Rock and the Buffalo Bandits. And uh, KD, obviously, this is a big one, but you probably, I think, like you alluded to a couple of times last week, Probably nowhere else you want to uh, get started than in Banditland here on Friday night. Yeah, this is uh, this is a big week. I know in, in, internally here in the office we're excited. I can't imagine how the players are feeling, but you know, just going back to you know playing any any sports as a kid, there it was something about going into that rivalries bar and you just you got fired up for regardless of start like any point of the season and let alone the uh, you know the season opener. I think this is. Uh, going to be a good test for the rock and a good place to start off like i mentioned and uh you know looking forward to, to getting her going on friday and do you think it's almost something like you know it, it is great to play in front of your home fans it's great to hear the the cheers and the accolades coming from your home fans that you know you're going to get but sometimes i feel like and maybe this is even a wrestling thing but to get somebody to hate you sometimes is almost harder and you know that the buffalo fans don't like the rock and you know going into that arena and having the chance to kind of shut the other team's fans up is kind of a little bit of that motivation for sure no doubt and i I totally agree with that and you know going into a a hostile environment too where they hate you and they're not shy and voicing their opinion down there by any means or or letting you know how they feel so i think that's that's part of it for sure just the whole you know that is just one element of the whole ambiance of what is playing in bandit land and uh you know i'd be looking forward to it and something about you know getting hated on by by a specific you know town team or whatnot i think it it'd fire me up and i think it fires up a lot of the guys in the room so let's let's go down the bandits roster this is a team that has probably uh you know arguably gone over the gone through the most change i think through the off season um a few major things I think to look at uh, we can talk about of course the number one overall pick coming in in uh, Josh Byrne uh, a huge trade Banesh for Crawford and a goaltending situation that is kind of part of obviously that trade as well but um, you know the retirement of Anthony Cosmo and uh, Alex Bouquet perhaps assuming the mantle as a starter not to mention uh, Billy D. Smith, Dave Brock, um, leaving via free agency. Alex Keto Hill deciding not to play. So let's start, I think, with the big trade. Ryan Banesh goes out, coming back the other way, amongst some other uh, parts of all this. But Callum Crawford and Alex Bouquet come back the other way. Um, how do you see Crawford fitting into this offense, I think, first of all? It's it's going to be interesting. You know, um they got the great Dane on that right side who, uh, you know, he, he wants the ball too. And the, he, he's very productive for them, has been for the last couple of years there. And like we kind of talk about here, the right side has a lot of a lot of ball carriers on this squad as well. But, uh, squad as well sorry. But, uh, you know, Callum's a great lacrosse player. I think he's up there in the in the league leader in points as well. And I think he's going to be able to, to fit in there. Uh, if you look at you know top top performers on offensively you really I mean who knows people could have breakout years Mitch Jones is kind of coming into his own it appears who knows what uh, Burns gonna do but it appears really it's Dane and Callum's offense in a way I would say just looking on a paper right now 
Yeah, and, you know, as another part of that trade, obviously, Alex Bouquet comes back, and, and we'll get into the goaltending uh, part of this whole carousel, I guess, in a moment. But like you say, you know, it's it's Callum and, and Dane's offense, and for so many years it was Banesh and Smith's offense. Maybe not for so many years, but at least the last few. And I think now it is going to be interesting to track who the lefties are that emerge and kind of jump into that number one role that Banesh had pretty much a stranglehold on for the last few years. Um, you know, a forgotten man in this a little bit is Pat Saunders. Here's a guy that scored 40 goals before in this league, had a little bit of a slow start to the season, but still ended up with, I think, 27 goals last year. So um, combined between his time in New England and in Buffalo. So there's a guy you look at, I think, maybe um, – ascending the ranks and becoming one of if not their top goal scorer on the left side but you did mention Mitch Jones I mean I wrote down a couple of things here coming into the into the show here but I mean he's a guy that uh you know had 31 goals and 69 points last year has had a big summer uh I think a lot of hype and obviously there has to be someone amongst that group that the Bandits staff and management had the confidence in that internally almost they had um, a known entity that they thought could excel with Banesh leaving. Well, I mean, I wonder if, you know, specifically on the left side, if if you're, you know, the brass in Buffalo, if you, you know, take away Banesh, insert an emerging Mitch Jones after what you saw him do, insert a first overall pick, does that kind of balance out? You know, I they traded for Durston too, did they not? Yeah, I mean that's another trade we haven't even got the that's Anthony so Malcolm, another Jordan lefty, Thurston, yeah. another lefty in as well. Maybe you know not seventy points is no slight for Mitch Jones. If he could you know re- replenish that again, they'd be happy. Pat Saunders, I think you know getting a little more touches is gonna you know he's gonna be penciled in for twenty five thirty maybe more. I, I'd feel confident in saying that. So maybe. I don't know if they're thinking of more do it by association over there because it looks like they have four guys that are NLL play. Well, we don't know about Byrne yet, but I mean, first overall, typically he's going to slide in and and make his case felt there. So they have four what they think legit NLL lefties, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think kind of like we're saying here is it's going to be interesting just to watch this and see who emerges. And I mean, we could see that uh, obviously as early as Friday night. Now, the other part of that trade. Uh, you know, Bouquet comes into the mix. Anthony Cosmo announces his retirement uh, well after this trade was made, but I think the writing was clearly on the wall uh, within the Bandits organization that this was going to be what was going to happen. Um, obviously, Bouquet has never really been a starter in this league. I think for a little bit of time, maybe there was a little bit of a battle between Bouquet and Ward uh, initially, but clearly Ward uh, emerged as the number one guy. And then... You know, you look at DeRuggio, and he obviously hasn't been a guy yet that has had to carry the mail, um, nor has he had the opportunity. So, you know, if you're asking me right now, I would say Bouquet probably is the guy getting the start on Friday night, and he is probably the number one guy. But, you know, ask me that question again in two or three weeks if the Bandits haven't won any games. I think they may be looking at riding DeRuggio and kind of trying to figure out what happens. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, this one, this starting goalie goaltender position maybe has a little bit of an asterisk beside it to to start the year. Uh, like you mentioned, 
Book has never has never started before, and you'd think he might get the get the nod. I, I believe he had a good summer this past summer after you know check tracking the WLA this year. But uh, last year it felt like with uh, Derugio, I know the couple times we played them, and even just breaking down just league wide stuff, it felt like a lot of times Buffalo saw both goalies get in the net on a particular night. And I can't say confidently right now today. You know, could be proven wrong. That that's not going to be the case again this year. Uh, like no one, none of these two, like you said, have you know grabbed the reins and shown they can be a legit LL starter. And I know you know Book the, the from a starting goaltender position. The the last thing I remember of Book is you know just his big hit that made Sports Center last year. But uh, true. Other than that, you know he he's kind of he's been second fiddle in Colorado. So it'll be interesting to see what they put together. And you know you mentioned on the D side, you lose a couple big strong defenders. In you know Billy D and Brock, and I know it's the game's kind of progressing into a, a younger, faster game, but those were some solid, scary, you know, hacking and whacking defenders that would uh, kind of intimidate some offense a bit. So we'll see how that translates to Buffalo's back end as well without them. And you know that leads me to another thing I want to talk about is just what is this team's identity going to be? Because with the departure of some of these guys, namely. Uh, you know, Billy D. Smith and Dave Brock a little bit as well. But really, Billy D. Smith, I think, still was kind of, you know, he was the main guy, I feel like, that would represent what the Bandits were to some degree. And that, you know, Billy D. kind of made everybody maybe a couple inches taller and a few pounds heavier and a little bit stronger and a little bit braver, um, knowing that they had him, you know, riding around out there doing what he does. So, um you know, you can even go back, you know, four, five, six years ago, Chris White leaving as a free agent. You know, you have uh, John Tavares retiring. And now even um, reading an article today from the Buffalo News that, you know, the Bandits want to use Mark Stainhouse in more of a defensive transition role rather than going out the front door. So, you know, I think it's just going to be interesting to see what is the identity of this team. You know, there's some young guys, there's some new guys. Of course, there's always going to be veterans rolling over, but you've got a major change in net. You've got a major change up front with Banesh gone, and you've got a major change in leadership and that physical presence in Billy D. Smith all gone. Now, clearly, with all those things being subtracted, I mean, Cosmo retires, but, you know, again, clearly Steve Dietrich and, and Troy Cordingly and the, and the staff there decided that they quickly needed to go in another direction after making the Champions Cup final just a couple of years ago. It's crazy how uh, how quickly this league can turn around like that, and I mean, you know, just a lot of a lot of points thrown out there. But just off the top of my head, do, do you look at a Steve Priolo sliding into you know that kind of you know he's ranked on the IL, one of the top defenders. He's he's been in the nominations. Obviously, you know his actions speak for himself, Team Canada. But he's a bigger, meaner body that could uh, you know is are they looking at him to play a little more of an intimidating role out there or? Uh, you know, up front, I know they still got a little bit, bit of grit in Craig England, who gets in there and bangs and crashes around and isn't, isn't afraid to drop the mitts from from time to time. But uh, you know, knowing Troy the little bit I do know him and just seeing him around, you know, the game of lacrosse, I'm sure he's installed a a game plan or an identity that he wants from that team in from day one of camp. And uh, I mean, I'm sure they're still gonna be you know feisty and edgy, and he's not uh, one to sit behind the bench and let his team be 
to go soft, I guess, for lack of a better word. I'd still expect a full, honest effort from them. And, uh, you know, I think it was going to be a little bit of a change for, for fans in Bandit Land, maybe, that are used to what seemed like just a, a gong show from time to time if you get down there in a game and it seems like it was anarchy, anything could go on some nights, but uh, I'm not sure if it'll be quite that, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Troy has uh, the boys kind of fired up for on Friday there. And when we look back at last season when these two teams matched up, uh, you know, it was, you know, a coin toss, I guess you could say, in some respects, uh, a dominating early season win at home by the Rock, um, in early February last year, but you know the two teams ended up splitting on the season, uh, each winning uh, two games, four meetings, each winning once in the other team's building. So, you know, I don't think you can draw anything from last year or history or anything like that, other than to know that this Friday night will be probably another one of those instant classics, and with a little bit more, uh, you know, the juices flowing and whatnot, with it being the first game of the season for both teams. Um, you know, some guys obviously back in the lineup uh, for the Toronto Rock here, namely Rob Hellier making his return on Friday night, Adam Jones making his debut. Um, you know, Brock Sorensen had kind of an up and down season last year in terms of the timeline with his return from a knee injury, suffered at the end of the 2016 NLL season, eventually got back in but was never quite right. But from what we've seen from him in preseason and training camp, he may be, in my opinion anyways, rapidly ascending again, the defense defensive depth chart here in Toronto. Um, and, and speaking of that, to shift back to Buffalo for a second, we mentioned Steve Priolo, but one guy who I always think also flies under the radar and a guy who, you know, to some degree I fell in love with watching him play in Oakville the last couple summers is Mitch DeSnew, who I think can be just almost an honest player on the back end in just the way he plays the game but a guy who can transition the ball a guy who has a really raw I I guess I keep going back to the word honest here but like just a really straightforward game a straightforward shot like when he was he was scoring big goals in transition for the Oakville Rock this past summer uh, in major series lacrosse and and I think he's a guy he's a good defender and he can do the little things in a game I think that can change things for you some of those intangibles, the loose balls, and like I say, some of the transition. And he's a guy who doesn't back down from anything either from you know what I can uh, remember from this past summer and watching him the last few years. So, um, I mean, it, it, he's a guy I think too that could, could end up becoming kind of one of those guys you circle as one of their best or better defenders. Well, we watched here last year as a great example of you know, Robbie Marshall wasn't getting in the lineup too much, Pat Merrill, like it it was a good opportunity for some of these younger guys to take an elevated role and we were we were stunned by the ability they did show that they could you know this wasn't too much for them and and I'm sure Buffalo's sitting in there and you know maybe probably not saying it out loud but like look at we saw what Toronto did by giving some guys some more opportunity and that was probably a little easier to to cut bait with the you know the David Brock and the Billy D Smith knowing you know they're probably looking at Disnew to take an elevated role and whoever else back there and uh, you know, like we said, the league is. You look at Georgia, the team that just won it. They're young, they're athletic, they're fast, and uh, you know, and that's kind of what it's taken this or this time around or in this era to uh, to be successful in this league. So Buffalo's probably just trying to hop on that train and see what see how it plays out for them. 
And not to completely shift off topic here of this week's uh, Buffalo-Toronto matchup, but you mentioned the Georgia Swarm and something I just want to quickly throw at you, but have you noticed or, or maybe felt a little bit that uh, people aren't exactly on the Georgia bandwagon here? I, I feel like just the, the Twitterverse, the lacrosse, uh, you know, covering media, etc., I don't feel like there's this automatic slam dunk that people are like, you know what, they're the defending champs, they're loaded up front, they're this, they're that. I don't feel that there's quite that love for the defending champ that you would naturally expect and or that we've seen recently from a team like Saskatchewan that I think everybody kind of thought, in some respects, was built a little bit similarly to Georgia. No, I agree. It's, you know, you look at hockey, Pittsburgh wins the cup. They're automatically the cup favorites, New England in football. It's just kind of how it goes. But they've kind of flown under the radar a little bit this year, to say the least. I know, um, I mean, internally in here, just through chatting with, you know, guys amongst the office, no one's, maybe it's because we've got Sask at the home opener. I'm hearing a little yeah. more uh, Saskatchewan here. But, yeah, I, uh, but looking at them on paper, you know, they, they, at the draft, they had a bunch of picks, and they've accumulated, a, you know, themselves to be in a good spot. And you're still bringing back league scoring champion and MVP, and a team, a young team that got a taste of winning. And which could be, you know, if you get a taste of winning that young, and I mean, it could be scary for uh, what they now see their potential could be. I wouldn't be uh, writing them off by any means. No. All right. Well, we are uh, we're going to take a short break here. We have uh, a couple of guests lined up for you here that we haven't even mentioned yet, but. Toronto Rock assistant coach Blaine Manning will be stopping by. We'll be talking a little rock offense and a little rock history, of course, as we get ready for uh, the 20th anniversary season of the Toronto Rock to get underway here in just a few days. And also, we will have rock defender and social media superstar Challen Rogers will be dropping by in studio with us as well. So uh, stay with us. We have lots more to come here on Toronto Rock Total Access. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. Uh, we bring our first guest into the studio here today. Jalen Rogers. Jalen, how are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I guess the biggest thing we should be asking about is how is the uh, rehab going and how close are you to uh, being back on the floor with the team? Rehab's going great. Um, it's, it's obviously been a long time. I'm working on five and a half months now, so... Uh, just a few more weeks and uh, I'll be good to go. It's feeling great. Feels stronger than ever and uh, yeah, it's great. And for those people who don't know, sorry, we shouldn't assume that everybody knows what the injury was, I guess, but uh, maybe just take us back to, I know when we talked about it after you had the surgery, uh, you know, you had said that it was kind of something that you think may have happened to you or did happen to you all the way back in high school and it's just kind of been a nagging injury that you played through through your college days and through your first year of, uh, of the NLL and finally decided to get it cleaned up here. Yeah, it probably wasn't the healthiest decision to <laughs> keep it going since high school. But uh, I think it happened the fall of grade 11. I separated my shoulder, and um, I, that's all I was told, that it was separated. And uh, throughout the years, playing junior, it would come out a few times a summer. And then uh, my last year at Stony Brook, it, it, there was one practice where it came out like two or three times. And that's when I got the MRI, and um, uh, it was – torn labrum they came back with and uh yeah 
just glad I could finally get it done after seven, six, seven years. So in terms of a torn labrum, does this mean you essentially could have played with a torn labrum for like four or five years, two years? Like when do you think it got uh, to that extent? Like Probably like four years ago, four or five years ago. That's incredible. Like when you think about that, like you're a guy, you were drafted second overall last year. You know, you've been, you know, a highly touted guy coming out of school, coming out of junior, all this kind of stuff. You've had a great, um, obviously, junior and collegiate career, and you've done all this potentially with a torn labrum. Yeah. Is that, does that ever register with you? Like, okay, well, now that it's fixed, I mean, you wonder what the ceiling is here, maybe. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's, I mean, in my head, it's, I've, I feel stronger than I've ever felt. And obviously, having this injury, uh, potentially go back seven years. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to finally be fully healthy. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited to get out there and help the boys. What made that a good idea? You've mentioned two or three times one time. Like, why, why, the, why even take it to three times? Like, I'd be just, that's enough for me personally. Like, get me out of here. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess I didn't really have much of a choice. When it come out in uh, junior, it was in pretty pivotal points of our season, um, whether it be in Minto or, or playoffs. No, uh, sorry, didn't you say one time at Stony Brook, though, oh, in practice? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just a practice. Yeah, and on that practice, that, that was definitely the, the last last straw. Yeah. Um, that's when my trainer even took me out, and I wasn't really expecting that. Um, but, yeah, it's just something I got used to throughout the years, the feeling and uh, the pain that would come after. Um, there's some times where it would be really bad, and it's probably where – it was getting more and more torn, <laughs> uh, whereas others it didn't hurt as much, and I was just kind of used to it. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, to shift gears a little bit here, and just before we got the interview going, and um, you know, you guys, uh, some of the younger guys are obviously around the track all the time, and you guys are fairly immersed, I think, in what's going on in and around the team. And, you know, we just saw you, we had some of the season ticket booklets out here, and you were kind of leafing through them, looking for your own picture there. And we figured, you know, you're on the playoff ticket, which is a good thing. And hopefully, of course, for everybody concerned, that's a ticket that gets used uh, this year, uh, the first home playoff game. But, you know, what's it like now that you've been through this for a year and being around and, and kind of you know, being in the big leagues in lacrosse and, and seeing yourself on things like tickets and, and on, you know, social media and video and, and you know, all, all these different places. I mean, what's it actually like for you when you sit back and kind of soak it in? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of surreal. Um, I remember growing up back home uh, watching, you know, Toronto Rock games on the score. And, uh, you know, it, even when I got drafted by Toronto, I was – super pumped to just join the the winning organization and um you know to help try to bring a championship back here so just seeing uh you know myself in um you know social media outlets it's it's surreal it's it's unreal yeah um now going forward we've you know speaking of social media you know you've you're starting (laughs) to become a bit of a hit here um with local with the rock fans and the rock fan base and whatnot and some of the stuff that uh you get up to, so to speak, um, are like, we had Mr. Cree on here last week and he kind of said, I believe his words were, you ain't seen nothing yet. Something to that effect. Um, what we've seen so far, is this just the tip of the iceberg? Are you, is the personality going to continue to kind of go more public, I guess we'll say? 
I don't know. I guess we'll just see if uh, Rosie's close to me when I, when that personality <laughs> shines through. Um, no. Uh, you know, maybe I'm just a big Beyonce fan. Good song comes on, and you see a music video that you've practiced a few times, maybe. <laughs> a few, maybe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's just something that was spur of the moment, and it was, it was hilarious. And uh, it was pretty funny how, how kind of big it got and um, how kind of viral it went. Yeah, within the lacrosse community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it was it was funny. And, uh, you know, I think hopefully at some point uh, this season, maybe we'll be able to recreate that in, uh, in some more, I guess, official form uh, through the team as we will try to get some takers. I know it seems like you guys have a few dancers in the house, though. Yeah, I think Brad said it last week, dancers yep. dance. And, yep. you know, when good, good tunes come on, that's what they do. Now, <laughs> I happen to see a little bit of footage of Mr. Magnuson, Jordan Magnuson, dancing yeah. in the last, we'll say, few days. Um, thoughts on his moves? You know, if Does he have some work to do, I guess? Is that what I'm saying? Or do you think he's I'm more of a, he ready for prime time? He's a prime time yeah. type dancer. Yeah, really? he, He's got the professional background, it would seem, <laughs> if you watch him dance. I'm more of the fourth line What profession grinder. would that be? <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know. You don't know. But yeah, okay. he gets into it, and when he gets going, he, he can't be stopped. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fourth-line grinder when it comes to dancing. Really? I think so. Wow. All right. Um, well, to <laughs> shift our attention back to on the floor, uh, Friday night in Buffalo, obviously you're going to be up there watching this one, you know, from the stands. But, like, we've talked about quite a bit here on the podcast this week and, and uh, last week is – you know, if there is one building, if you're going to have to start on the road, it's probably you want to start in Buffalo just with the rivalry and everything. And, um, you know, it's obviously, I'm sure, it goes without saying that it'll be tough to be watching this one from the side. But maybe talk about just what you kind of learned in, in year one, just about the rivalry between these two teams and, and just what it's like to play in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere there is, is it's pretty crazy. They're a, they're a loud group. Um, you know, they didn't have the best year they, they uh, would have wanted last year. And, um, I mean, especially with the rivalry being so close to Buffalo, um, it's, it's going to be, it's gonna be an, old, an electric atmosphere there. Um, they're going to come out hot. We're going to come out hot. And uh, it's a lacrosse game. And hopefully we can come out on top. It's obviously going to be extremely tough watching. Uh, I think I watched the last game from the stands there last year. And, uh, it's, it's definitely different. Um, obviously, I'd want to be on the floor, but uh, I'm just going to support the guys in uh, any way I can and hopefully pull out the W this Friday. Expectations, you know, last year it was kind of a, a unique situation where a lot of young guys, yourself, Latrell, Megs, you know, just to name a few, coming in, Reed, um, didn't really know what what the year was going to look like, I guess you could say. And, you know, looking back, it was successful going to the Eastern Final. What how, like what are what are the expectations this year, and how how much have they grown internally? Is you're expecting to go back to the Eastern Finals? No doubt. Is it you know the finals, the championship? What obviously everyone wants to win, but what, what's the what's the mindset with the team right now? Well, like you just said, uh, our expectations are to win and hoist that um, NLL championship at the end of the year. Um, and you know, last year I don't think a lot of people penciled this in as um, you know being competitive. But I mean, if you went into our locker room. Um, and ask every guy, they, they would tell you completely opposite. Um, you know, especially with, uh, we had a lot of first year guys last year and 
uh, you know, this year having another year of experience only helps us grow as uh, players and, and uh, a team. No, no doubt for sure. And one, uh, one quick question here. I know you mentioned the shoulders coming along. Do we have, without giving too much, do you expected, you know, when you'll be back in the lineup, you know, mid-season, earlier than that, or what are we looking yeah, at? Yeah, earlier rather than later. Earlier uh, rather yeah. than later? I'll be there in December. Perfect. Or sometime this month. In December. <laughs> <or something. Yeah. laughs> the, has the home opener been totally ruled out at this point? Is that probably a little aggressive here? But yeah. possibly December 30th, a possible target? Yeah, the f- home opener, is, it's on the, on the fence, but um, 30th for sure. That's great. That's great. I'm sure it's been a, a long road to recovery here, but, uh, you know, and, and not being able to play this summer, I'm sure wasn't the easiest thing for you either but uh it'll be uh, great to have you back in the lineup and like we say uh pretty excited to see what uh you can do with two shoulders now. <laughs> yeah me as well thank you all right challen thanks a lot for joining us and uh, i'm sure we'll do this again soon this year can't wait all right so that was challen rogers defender with the toronto rock we'll take a short break here on toronto rock total access and be back with assistant coach blaine manning in a moment Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, Kyle Davis, uh, still obviously with us here in the studio. And now we welcome in Blade Manning, assistant coach with the Toronto Rock, but also, of course, uh, legendary piece of this franchise back to his playing days. Um, we're going to dive into all kinds of stuff, Blaine, but welcome, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, fellas. Glad you took some time to join us here today. Now, before we get into any lacrosse talk, we know that you are a big fan of uh, your hometown club, the Edmonton Oilers. Yes. And Kyle wanted to throw <laughs> <laughs> questions. Oh, at, no, go ahead. That's yeah, all good. Just what's your reaction to the Chris Russell stuff? Like what? Oh, it just it's a tough break. I mean, that kid yeah. is they they love him there. The way he plays, he throws his body around, and it's going to be fine. I, I still believe that uh, they're working their way out of it. They looked better the last ten days. So, uh, even though I watched him lay a stinker in Buffalo about a week ago, but um, they they're getting better. I think they're going to turn the corner here and get on a run and win some games and hopefully try to get in the playoffs. Do you still have complete confidence in where this team's going with the pieces that are there? I I'm a little I shaken. I know I'm not going to lie. I'm over a text conversation here and there, and sometimes you get a little upset. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little shaken, but, but yeah. uh, I think uh, I still think that they have enough guys there. Uh, the pieces, the, the the core pieces, are there to uh, to have a, a successful run this year into the playoffs. So they just got to get in and see what happens. Just get in and see what happens. Eh? You remember that time they were the eighth seed and made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Is that what you're... Game seven. They would have won the Stanley Cup if their goaltender didn't get hurt. It's a travesty. A travesty. Okay. Dwayne well, Rolson. It was amazing. Rolly the goalie. All right. Okay, well, let's uh, let's shift gears and talk, to, uh, or talk a little lacrosse here. Uh, we've talked so much about the Rock offense this year and um, already and just how it seems loaded on paper. And immediately I start to draw parallels back to the offense in the mid-2000s and 2005 when this team, for the only time in franchise history, had three guys, you were one of them, with, uh, with 100 points. You know, something that, uh, like I said, has only happened once in franchise history. Do you think that there is any chance, and we're not putting pressure on you as the O coach here to deliver on this, but do you think this team has the ability to you know, reach those heights like yourself, Colin Doyle, and Josh Sanderson did back in 2005? Um, I don't – I mean, I 
I would say no. I, I don't say that as far as, uh, you know, for us, you know, back of the team in 2005, but it's just a different, it's a different team. And, it, you know, right now we're decent on paper and that's all we are. So, when you know, it's really tough to talk about the projections and stuff like that when they, you know, they played a couple, a couple quarters together at this point. So let's, you know, come back to me in a month into the season when we got a few games under our belt and see how uh, everyone's gelling and how the ball's moving because uh, you know offense is a tricky thing you can have all the most talented players in the world on the floor at one time but um, sometimes it doesn't work and uh, sometimes everybody needs the ball uh, some guys aren't willing to work off ball so there's a lot goes into the offense uh, yeah we got some you know we've upgraded our skill for sure um, but we'll see what happens. So I guess having said all that, then, do you like what you've seen so far through, you know, the brief time that they've played together, but also how they're working in practice and in training camp, preparing for this game on Friday night? Yeah, I, they've been great, to be honest with you. It's been awesome. Uh, seems like everyone's rowing in the same direction right now. Um, yeah, like this, the skill, like Adam Jones is, uh, I knew he was a skilled player. I knew he was a great shooter. Uh, he's an underrated passer. He's, he's a real creative player over there. Um but yeah, like it, it, it looks good so far. But uh, again, it's it's only been training camps out here, and uh, we gotta we gotta prove it out on the floor. And I think they're gonna do it. Like like we like them. We like them as a group. We like every 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 player. You know, one through eight on the offensive side, they all bring something unique uh, to the group. And and um, I'm excited to get going, and I know they are as well. Now, you know, with all the additions, uh, I kind of talked to Maddie Sawyer a little bit about this last week on the show as well, but, you know, the name Steph LeBlanc probably doesn't get mentioned as often as it should still with this group on offense. And throughout his career on the left side, he was always kind of either the number two or potentially the number three guy, and he had a ton of success. Um, Do you see Steph kind of, you know, his game maybe – maybe even his production elevating here with a guy like Jones on that side of the floor with him now? And does his role change? Is it something where he could be more comfortable maybe than he was last year? Maybe he was totally comfortable last year. I don't know. But just kind of your take on that as to how Steph kind of fits into this whole puzzle here now. Yeah, I mean, Steph's he's a huge piece. So, like, last year it was probably almost un, un, unfair in, in certain ways where – uh, we lost a lot of veteran leadership on the left side, and, and he was out there. Um, uh, and he, had, you know, we asked a lot of him, and it, and sometimes it, it's 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 not really fair to a player. Uh, he he's going to be he's going to have an amazing year. I mean, Steph LeBlanc's uh, when I remember his career to date, uh, he's just an unbelievably tough check, especially off ball when he goes up and bumps guys and uh, and gets to the net. He's a great finisher and tight, and uh, I think he's going to get lots of uh, lots of looks like that this year. And he's not going to have to carry the ball as much. Uh, obviously, he's still going to be carrying a little bit, and uh, and then obviously with the right side, hopefully uh, being legit threats every time they're out there, it should free up some space for him. So you know, we love Steph's game. We love uh, how, you know how he plays and uh, how he prepares, and he comes to the rink and he works hard in practice, and uh, we're uh, we're excited for him to have a big year. We mentioned there, you know, the, the offense here and, and some of the names are there and that everyone does want the ball as an offensive guy. What's your approach as the O coach to ensure, you know, everyone's on the same page, but even though they they may not get the touches they've been used to, you know, growing up in minor and junior whatnot, and, you know, Tom wants the ball, Rob wants the ball, Brett wants the ball, and just ensuring that flows through everyone, that you know, keeping everyone in sync and happy, but they're still, uh, you know, productive. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been a big uh, a big topic for us this uh, in training camp. I mean, when you go back to the team that we're talking about uh, back in 2005, uh, lots of balanced scoring. You know, it was shared everywhere. Aaron Wilson in there probably had 40-some goals, and Matt Shear had a whack. So, like, very balanced. When we won in 2011, we had a very balanced offense. There was Colin Doyle. There was uh, Garrett Billings, myself, Steph LeBlanc, all guys within, you know, 10, 20 points of each other. Uh, when you look at the last five championships, um, Georgia last year really balanced. Saskatchewan, Edmonton, very balanced, and um, Rochester before that. So in this in this league, in order to win, you need to have balanced scoring, and that's you know the ball's got to be moving, and the ball's the ball's got to be shared amongst everybody. It's tough to win when you know one guy has 120 points and uh, everybody else has 50. I think we can come fairly easy to check and fairly predictable offense. So uh, we're hoping to have balance this year, and we, we expect, you know, five or six guys all to kind of be within, um, you know, arm's reach of each other as far as points and goals. That's, uh, I mean, that's how we'd see it, and ho- hopefully it works out. And looking ahead to Buffalo Friday, you know, they've we've kind of discussed here Billy D. Smith out, Br- David Brock out, Cosmo out, some staples that have kind of been on that back end and in goal. Uh, so it might be some new faces back there for you. What's, what are you expecting out of them Friday and kind of what's the approach going into the game? I expect an extremely hungry and fast uh, team. Uh, I think sometimes people look at change as a, as a bad thing. And uh, I know we went through a lot of changes last year. And uh, we ended up having a pretty good team, uh, you know, with some young guys, some, you know, rejuvenated older guys. And uh, I expect the same probably from Buffalo this year. Uh, their offense, I think they're going to be pretty dynamic, uh, adding, you know, Crawford. And, uh, you know, they're going to be good, but I think they're going to be super aggressive pushing the ball out of the back end. They've been good at it the last couple of years, and I think they're just trying to get quicker at it. So they've, you know, a couple of those stay-home guys are no longer there, and they've just, you know, brought in more uh, up-tempo players. So it's going to be a fast game, um, always physical, always physical in Buffalo. So um, it's going to be exciting. It's been a long off season, and... Uh, can't wait. I did want to talk to you about a couple more guys, Tom Schreiber and Rob Hellier. The uh, you know how they're working together so far. I think um, first of all, what have you seen from them? Uh, the first preseason game they played together, they you know piled up a ton of points between the two of them. Um, but what do you think their chemistry is going to be like? You know, and and even just Robbie coming back into the lineup after not being here for a year. Yeah, well, so first off, in general, both kids, amazing, great, unselfish kids. Uh, players, I should, they're not kids anymore, but I, <laughs> I refer to them as kids. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're amazing. Uh, they're, they're going to they're gonna be great together. Uh, but I do think it is going to take some time. I mean, obviously, Robbie's coming off a major injury. Uh, every time he's been out, he's looked better and better. And, uh, you know, Tom was an unbelievable player for us last year, and he went and won the MVP in the field league, and now he's getting back into the box game, and it takes some time. Um, and they haven't played a whole lot together in the training camp, to be honest with you. There's been uh, a couple of mispractices here and there, and we sat some uh, some guys out for some of the some of the games. So they haven't played a whole lot together. But you can just just by the type of people they are, the quality people they are, they they both want to succeed. They are both uh, extremely unselfish. Uh, so they're they're going to get along real well on that side, and and they both you know complement each other. I mean. Their, their foot speed and their quickness is going to help one another out, and they both see the floor really well. So um, n- not putting pressure on those guys, but we, we expect, uh, we expect good, good things from, uh, from those, those two, as well as everybody else. And what are you learning about Tom Schreiber kind of as we go along here? Obviously, uh, you know, he's been here now 
you know, around the team and playing for a year. But um, through this training camp, what are you learning about him as a player? And I also kind of wonder, is there anybody that you kind of, or that kind of pops into your head that, uh, that you could kind of compare Tom to that's come before him? Anybody else that kind of reminds you of Tom? Oh, that's uh, that's a tough one. Off the top of my head, there's there's not really anybody just because he plays a different game. I mean, with having so much field background, um, <clears throat> what I will say though is he does everything well. And when I say that, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, he comes to practice. He he flies in for practices, and he's out here, and he's arguably the hardest working guy every single time. Um, extremely smart, uh, cerebral guy, uh, understands a game. You show him something, like he was completely new to box across last year. You show him a play once, and you never had to show it again. Like, he just, he grasps concepts really well. Uh, shoots the ball crazy, super athletic. And uh, I think a, lock, a knock, I think it's sometimes ill-conceived, but uh, on American guys is that they're not, they don't like the kind of physicality of the NLL. And... Uh, I mean, he proved all year last year. You go hard to the net, and guys would take their shots at him, and he'd be the first guy to get back up and go do it again. So he's uh, super gritty. Um, he's got, you know, he's got all the qualities you need to be successful in this league, and he showed it last year, and I know he's going to show it again. All right, so this matchup on Friday night, uh, I know we've talked a little bit about it, a, a lot of change, but uh, you know, as this season progresses, um, you know, the the different checkpoints, I guess, along the way, and and how you look at uh, gauging success and obviously wins and losses are an easy way to to gauge that success but what are you looking for from your offense and this team to kind of maybe benchmark things along the way and how they're progressing towards the goal of you know hopefully competing for a championship here uh, I mean yeah, I'm, I'm the I'm an assistant coach I'm the offensive coach but ultimately it's it's simple it's wins and losses so there are going to be times this year where uh, we might win 8-7 and uh, you know the offense may not look great or maybe looked fantastic and a goalie stood in his head or our shots were off a little bit there might be games where we win 17-16 ultimately that's that's for us what, what it's all about because it is a team game we can talk about you know the offense all we want or the, just the defense all we want but ultimately um, that's what uh, what we're here to do and the guys get paid to do and what the coaches uh, get paid to do as well so Hey, Blainer. Well, thanks a lot for joining Sorry us Sorry for the on, boring uh, answer, but that's that's, uh, <laughs> that's the truth, man. All right, that's fair, hey? Wins and losses. That's uh, getting to the pay window here. That's what it's all about yeah, every I'm, night. I mean, you know, to sit here and say, well, I'm hoping we score four goals a quarter or something like that, like it just, it just uh, you know, we've got to have, at the end of the day, we've got to have one more than the other team, and uh, hey, we'll, we'll be looking for the ball to move in. It's like we, it can't sit in somebody's stick. It's got to be moving. It's got to be hot all the time. And uh, when if that's happening and if you know results are slow to show, we'll be optimistic and we'll stick with it. But ultimately, you know, we got to have one more than the other guys. All right, Blainer. Well, thanks a lot for joining us here. And uh, enjoy practice tonight, and we'll do this again soon. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Blaine Manning, assistant coach with the Toronto Rock. We will be back on Toronto Rock Total Access to wrap things up in a moment.
Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis, and uh, we are in the home stretch here, ready to wrap up the show. Talk a little bit more about this Friday's game between the Toronto Rock and the Buffalo Bandits. In Banditland, a game that you can watch live on NLLTV.com. Of course, don't forget to renew your subscription. Big announcement from the league uh, on Tuesday as well about uh, another partnership with CBS Sports Digital, which will also allow uh, folks, subscribers to that service, to watch live and on-demand NLL games as well. So another uh, big platform that the NLL has uh, now engaged with. And also this week and next Saturday... The Toronto Rock will be featured as part of the NLL Twitter Game of the Week. So lots of ways to watch The Rock here in the next uh, couple of weeks. Wherever you are around the world. Around the world, Katie. That's, that's you big. You can watch it anywhere. Well, you'd be surprised. We get to, you know, you see who's popping on the website and whatnot. I saw one today from North Korea pop on our website. North Korea? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who, who knows what's going over there, but... Uh, you talk about around the world. They might be tuning in from over there too. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, if you're if you're anywhere, if you take a rip over to Africa or it's Europe, uh, maybe Russia, anywhere like that, you can watch the Twitter game of the it's week. It's available. Yeah. Global. Gone global. All right. So um, this Friday night, let's throw our predictions for the game out here first. Um, do you want to go first on this one? I, think, I, sure. I feel like you want to go first. We both we both kind of exchanged our predictions before we started recording here, and and uh, anyways, go go ahead. You can go first. Yeah, we didn't talk about it, and we came in kind of similar here, but nonetheless, uh, it is a little bit different. I uh, I call it a big rock win to start the season off. I'm calling the offense is gonna be rolling, and it's gonna be an 18-13 Toronto Rock win. And, uh, you know, we get the season started on the right foot here Friday night. Well, I've got uh, a very similar offensive prediction for the Toronto Rock. Also, (laughs) scoring 18 goals was my thought. But I have the defense locking it down a little bit more, KD. And, um, you know, potentially um, if Rosie is the guy between the pipes on Friday, which I would think all signs point to uh, him obviously getting the start on Friday night. But um, only 11. 11, 11 oh, goals for the what, Bandits. You know, for well, I hope you're right. That's makes the team. See, and look I just I, I feel like this game could be one of those things too on the Buffalo side. We talk so, talk about so many changes and and you know this could also be one of those games I think too where they just might not gel. Like things might go Work right the off the rails out. in game one, and maybe they only put up seven or eight goals, and, and Rosie plays great in that, or perhaps. You know, everything goes great, and it's, uh, you know, a tight, high-scoring game, maybe 18-16 or something crazy like that. But I guess my 18-11 <laughs> ends up falling right in the middle of that conveniently. Um, so that's uh, that's my prediction on the game. So a rock win to start off. And, uh, of course, last year, I think we can both, uh, you know, revisit our picks here from last year. We were 9-9 nine and nine last yeah. year. <laughs> course every game every week we predicted that the rock were going to win so uh you know folks out there who are listening to this you know take our predictions for what they're worth because uh chances are every week you're going to hear that we're going to predict that the rock are going to win so um so there you go keep in mind we were nine and nine last uh last week or last year sorry i would love to uh love to see a bit of grittiness so for game one down there like i'm not you know the league's kind of getting away from fighting and whatnot, but just when you see two rivalries go at it, you want to see 
maybe it's just fan talking in me. I'm not. Who knows what the you know you don't want to see anyone get hurt on either team or especially our team here. But I would love just to see a you know a bit of fireworks come out of the game. I guess if you could say it's it gets talked about all the time that that's what builds rivalries in sports is you know playoff matchups, physicality, hatred, some kind of you know drama within games. You know it's. Uh, you need it. You need a little sandpaper for in your sure. life once in a while, right? So hopefully we get some of that on Friday night for sure. A good, tough physical game. And, and no, that doesn't mean that we're, you know, hoping that, uh, you know, we have an old uh, Pier 6 slobber knocker down there <laughs> oh. in Buffalo on Friday. But, you know. Right, so we've seen some games that the game happens and it's just, you know, a lot of the games can kind of look the same. You know, the whistle goes, some goals, face-offs, but not, not too much extracurriculars. You just like to see a little bit of, you know, letting people know who we're out there or who's passion. out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're uh, kicking the season off this year, so let's uh, let's you know start it off with a bang here. <laughs> I feel like we circle all the way back to yeah. Anyways, all right. So uh, we're gonna throw out some bold predictions there. Here, no buying or selling this week. No uh, um, buy sell trade. No uh, none of that uh, this week. But. Um, we're going to make some bold predictions. So, KD, why don't you uh, why don't you fire off what you got here and we can discuss. Yep. So, first one, first bold prediction. A Toronto Rock offensive player is going to lead the league in points this year. And uh, that individual, for me, is going to be Captain America Tommy Schreiber. I think reasoning here, you know, first year in the league – First year playing box across, he put up, what, 94, 96 yep. last 94 year? 94 points, yeah. I think you throw, no disrespect to that offense, but you, the offense, I think, is better. You throw in 10, Hellier, and uh, and Jones on the left side, I just think the scoring is going to be up from, for for this offense, and I think he's going to feel that much more comfortable. I mean, he, he didn't show it, and he, he was a great job at masking it, but... I, there's no way he could have felt comfortable, you know, game one in his box across career right. about what was really going on there. Yep. Even though it, you know, it didn't show. I think this year he comes it comes in feeling comfortable. He knows what to expect. He's you know he's made a circuit around the league and uh, he's poised for a big year. And I think he's gonna. I think he can go off even more than he did last year. Second prediction. Yep. Second prediction. I'm going 66. Nick Rose wins goaltender of the year this year i think uh you know he was in the running last year in the hunt and i think this defense was you know overall fairly young last year you know for instance something that comes to mind would be that georgia game you know latrell a young latrell kind of coughed the ball over a turnover they came and scored the winner i see those plays getting tightened up through guys like latrell magnuson you know challenge when he's healthy in their second year uh, and this defense tightening up a little bit. Rosie then will be reaping some of that benefit in the net as well, obviously playing stellar himself. And I think he'll not only be in the conversation as the finalist, but he will take goaltender of the year this year. Wow, and like you mentioned, the last two years, Nick Rose has been a finalist uh, for the award. And this is something I was going to bring up last week on the show even is, and I think we kind of, we, I'm sure we mentioned it many times last year too, but um, <clears throat> pardon me. Had you flipped Nick Rose's first two months, last two months, last year, and if he had have finished the way that he was the hands-down number one goaltender in the league for the first two months of the season, like it wasn't even close, 
If he had a finish like that, I think he would have been a runaway winner for the goaltender of the year because, it, you know, by the time you get around to voting at the end of the season, you've got some things that have said, okay, yeah, well, he was really great for two months, but, you know, he didn't have a great April, right? And, and that's kind of what you're left with. However, if he had, it would have had, a, you know, perhaps a bad January last year and then had those lights out March, April, and went into the playoffs, you know, Rolling. on this massive high... I don't think there's anybody that's putting him at number two or three on their ballot. I think he might have been a near unanimous choice for the goaltender of the year. So I, I, I can't disagree really with either of your picks. I think the Schreiber one, um, it it will be interesting. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but you are talking about him adding probably twenty five to thirty points onto his game from last year. When you think about probably where he's going to need to land in that 120 to 125 range, more than likely, I feel like this year is is that's probably where you're going to need to be um, to win the scoring title. But not crazy to think, but that's I mean a point and a bit, point and a half, I guess let's call it per game that uh, he would have to go up. So well, if I mean possible, possible for sure. I yeah. just think if. The offense is putting a couple more in. If he's even, you know, a pass finds Hellier, finds the net, like that who wasn't out there last year can find the net. Same with Jones on the left side. I mean, and I just think he's going to be that much better this year, which is crazy to say. But, I mean, that's why they're bold predictions, right? Like they're not going to be tap-ins <laughs> here. Exactly. And, and even a little bit further to that, but even when you think about Rob Hellier, he had 113 points in 2016 his best season of his career and you know as the exhibition season went on we saw him get better and that fourth quarter he played in the last um preseason game a couple of the goals he scored were just silly like just the shots he started seeing okay he's really really starting to settle in here and get comfortable because i don't think you could totally say that about the way he played in the summer um, but as training camp has gone on, you can see him getting more comfortable. And, and like you say, just with the amount of depth that is on this offense, you know, you're just naturally probably going to get some more points. Exactly. You know, and, and the fact that just overall as a whole, when you look at things on paper and not to dive into this with any kind of detailed math or anything, um, you just think that the numbers should go up. You know, the numbers should go up. You've just got overall a better group of offensive players together than you did as a whole here last year. So um, it's a big one, 25 to 30 points. You think not a lot of guys have that kind of increase year over year. However, I didn't expect 94 from just from never playing a game. He went from zero to 94 last year, right? So maybe this is a minimal. Maybe adding 25 to 30 is not really a big uh, a big stretch at all when we look at uh, how things could go. So, um, so yeah, so we've looked at uh, we've looked at this matchup. We've looked at some bold predictions. Um, We are just about to the end of the program here, but um, tickets. Yep. Let's talk tickets, KD. For sure. We What's got going on in the ticket office? Lots going on, actually. We got our, our holiday pack on sale, six and tickets. used. Uh, they have to be used to at least two games, but you get two beautiful Toronto Rock long sleeve t-shirts. I've seen them in the office here. You know, everyone that has got them are ec- ecstatic about them. We also... 
big announcement today. One dollar from every ticket sold to the home opener is going to the was that the Gord Downey, the Downey Wine Jack Fund. Down, yep. So there's uh, some big news there. That uh, you know, obviously an iconic Canadian there. Uh, we have six six ticket flex pass packs. Sorry, we still have our season passes and season tickets on sale. Those are they're a steal. If you're planning on coming to some games, they're a steal. Starts at $125. You get into all nine games throughout the regular season. You can't complain. Lower bowl benefits. You know, you get your vouchers, season ticket holder gift, ticket exchange program, uh, invite to the season ticket holder party, which is a great, you know, meet and greet with the Toronto Rock players. There's a lot of great stuff going on. Don't hesitate to hop on our website. We've got our online chat going, which has been very successful. You can talk live with a ticket rep in the office to answer any questions or give us a shout at 416-596-3075 and we'll be more than happy to go over those details with you over the phone. So like Kyle mentioned, www.torontorock.com slash tickets gets you to the uh, spot where you can find all that info. And, and yeah, the, the live chat. I mean, you can jump on, spin the uh, live chat wheel, and you might end up with KD himself on the other <laughs> end of that. Chat uh, the podcast. Chat. Yeah, you can give some feedback on the podcast, sure. <laughs> Just give um, it to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be all positive, KD. Come For on. For sure. Um, yeah, so also, uh, as Kyle mentioned there, the uh, the partnership announced uh, on Tuesday morning with the Toronto Rock and the Downey Wenjack Fund and uh, something that we're all very excited about. And uh, we're going to have some special in-game elements on December 16th at the home opener as well. Uh, the folks from the Downey Wenjack Fund will be on hand accepting donations, selling uh, merchandise also as a fundraiser. Uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tremendous night, and it's uh, gonna be your first chance to have a look at uh, you know the 2017-18 Toronto Rock on home turf as well at Air Canada Centre. So we're excited about that. We'll also be uh, announcing some other stuff, some other in-game stuff next week. Uh, of course, if you're at our preseason games here in Oakville, you would have seen that we do have a new uh, disc jockey spinning the tunes. Um, in game and he'll be set up in a pretty sweet spot in uh, section 116 and uh, Nick Diachenko uh, former player with the Toronto Rock he'll be uh, he'll be the man he'll be the man spinning the tune so uh, DJ Sweet Lou as he was once known has uh, resurrected the career and he'll be uh, he'll be the man providing the musical entertainment this year in game so we're looking forward to that as well lots of great stuff here to come make sure you to make sure you're following us on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TorontoRock.com. Everywhere everywhere you can, uh, make sure you're always paying attention to the Toronto Rock and uh, spreading the good word about the team as well. And remember, you can also uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, which is more than likely how you're listening to us right now. Uh, so just make sure you subscribe and tell a friend. Tell a friend if you enjoy the show. If you don't enjoy the show, maybe keep it to yourself. But otherwise, uh, maybe tell a friend. Any final thoughts today, Katie? No, not really. Looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, you know, episode two for us here. I mean, I personally felt a little more comfortable than than app one, so hoping right. to carry that on throughout the year and keep my production up. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> no, ready to rock on Friday. Alrighty, so that'll do it. Episode number two of the Toronto Rock Total Access podcast is in the can. In the meantime and in between time, I'm Mike Hancock for Kyle Davis saying we will chat next week.